Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Revelation chapter number four. I just want to read a couple verses of scripture, and uh, I want to talk to you tonight about activity around the throne. Uh, This is part 3A, and that A indicates exactly what you think it indicates. Revelation 4, chapter verse number 1, starting. The Bible says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will shew thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven heaven and one sat on the throne again i want to talk to you about activity around the throne uh here this evening i'll be more mindful of you this evening than i was last wednesday lord jesus i come to you tonight i'm asking lord for your help God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for this gathering of people tonight. Lord, enlighten our minds. God, equip us, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, through your word. God, grant us understanding, Lord, in this place. And we'll thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you alone can do. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated in Jesus' name. If you'll allow me just for a little bit uh, tonight, um, the activity around the throne, I believe there's something that needs to be spoken of a little bit. Before we get in, uh, I say a little bit, before we get in uh, a whole lot of that there, but it still concerns these first two verses of Revelation chapter number four. Now up to this time, John has already seen a vision of Jesus Christ amid the candlesticks he has already had in Revelations two and three, uh, the letters that were given to the individual churches of his age and for that matter of all ages uh, since that time that has been applicable uh, to every church age, every church for that matter uh, since that time. But I think there's something that we need to consider because uh, in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, and it is true, while it is true, that uh, the church is mentioned at least, you can count, probably get some different numbers, but at least 16 times in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, and that then there is no other mention of the church. There's no other mention of the church in any other place in the book of Revelation that we can find the church as far as the church being a resident here upon the earth. There's no other mention of the church in its residence here upon the earth throughout the book of Revelation after chapter number 3. And so with that in mind, uh, there are some that like to take John's experience here in Revelation 4 verses 1 and 2 and equate what John experienced that happened just here in these two verses uh, to, to, to liken that to the rapture experience, okay? And, and I, I want to take us through this just a little bit to see how people's mindsets are that follow that role of thought but I also want to caution us tonight because uh, you got to be very careful in doing this type of thing and, and so there's someone to take John's uh, experience in verses 1 and 2 of Revelation and use it like, like a type 
to represent the rapture of the church or the church's rapture. And there are types in Scripture. We see them particularly in Old Testament when we look at the tabernacle, that whole thing. Uh, in so many words is a type and represents certain things and you can see certain people's lives in the Old Testament might be types of Christ or uh, so on and so forth Uh, but the difficulty with types sometimes is that uh, they're not uh, they lose continuity all the way through not not every aspect uh, of them necessarily uh, 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 apply to whatever they're trying to be a type of and so whenever we look at this, this in Scripture, I just want to walk us through this if we can. And for one thing, and just bring it to the forefront of our mind, we use it so commonly, uh, sometimes just like we, you, know, you misquote verses so commonly, that's the way you remember that it is. You know, you, you've done that, and you start to look through your Bible. Well, I just can't find that for now. I know it's in there, bless God, but you just misquote it. And so if you were to try to start running reference on the word rapture, you're not going to find the word rapture in the entirety of the Bible because the word rapture is not in the Bible. All right, so that's just kind of one of those things just to plug in because I think that's a lot of, well, yeah, it's in there. Well, it's not in the sense of the word rapture. It's not in the Bible. The Bible speaks of caught up or a catching away, that type of terminology, but the word rapture itself is not in the Scripture. So we call the catching away or the, the caught up. We, we refer that churches through ages of this commonly referred to that then as the rapture. And if you look up in Webster's Dictionary, whoever's dictionary, it would interpret that as such. But it's not found anywhere in the, in the Scriptures. Uh, we talk about the caught up. Uh, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 had a time that the Lord caught him up, the Scripture says. He says that he was caught up into uh, the third heaven. And just so that we don't start talking about, well, there's 52 different levels of heaven and all that. Man, I'm not going to weigh in on that, but I do know this. The first heaven is the heaven we're living in right now, the atmosphere in which we live. The second heaven has to do with the planetary, uh, the galaxies, all that. That's the second. Paul was caught up into the third heaven, something that's beyond that that mortal man's not even laid a finger on. And nor will they ever uh, unless they go and get caught up amen never lay a finger on it and so likewise in first thessalonians chapter number four a lot of the epistle to the thessalonica church or the thessalonians uh was uh, bolstering their hearts and their faith because there was a lot of doctrine and things going around telling about how there wasn't going to be uh the dead that weren't going to be raised and that christ had already come for his church and so there was a lot of confusion and so one of the purposes why paul wrote to the ethesians was uh, to encourage them that the dead in christ are going to rise and that Christ hasn't came back yet for his church that is still yet something to look forward to but in those portions of scripture Paul speaks about the catching away if you will of the church so you can follow this type mentality of what happens in the first two verses of Revelation uh, as a type to a certain degree to the church's rapture but again we got to be very very careful with this and you'll see what I mean because there are some fit pitfalls to it verse number one says after this John John if you will has been on the aisle called Patmos but he goes into the spirit and he's got letters to the churches in in chapters two and three and everything seems to be right here earth but in this particular chapter he moves from a more earthly setting to a heavenly setting and so it's after this that all these things that John has this translation from the earthly to the heavenly, amen, after he had already addressed the churches, what some people might call would be just a spectrum of time as the church age, the age that we're living in right now, the church age. So after all of that, then that he went from a earthly position to a 
heavenly position so you see a little bit of the parallel or typology that could be in there and the bible says that john he says i looked and so the, the typology that people try to draw and i'm not saying i'm in favor of this okay in favor of the typology i'm just giving you the mindset of some that john looked and so uh, the, the mindset is likewise the church should be looking all right because we read scripture of Titus 2.13 and it has it for you here tonight on the screen if my wife will help me. Titus 2.13, it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so John looks, so they say, here's the, the parallel. The church is, is to be found in a place that they are constantly looking or waiting for his appearing. Uh, for that matter, a large or a, a, the better half per se of the gospels and the epistles was an admonition to the churches and the word that was constantly used was watch, watch. You don't know what hour that he could come watch. You were always told to be watching and waiting and looking and so uh, that is where the type could come into play and then you'll notice that John he, he, he looked and behold the Bible says a door was opened in heaven and then the scripture says that he summoned by a voice that was like a trumpet everybody say trumpet and the trumpet says and the voice is like a trumpet rather says come up hither and so the parallel for the type that people draw is likewise that we have the assurance as the church of the trump of God or what's been called the last trump, amen. And whenever the trump of God sounds or that last trump happens, then the church, those that are in the grave and above the grave are going to experience a change from corruptible to incorruption and they'll be translated from here to glory. And so they see in the parallel here with John, there's a, there's a voice like a trumpet that's saying come up hither and here is a trump of God that will sound for the church one of these days and they will be changed. The Bible says that clearly. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, I have much scripture tonight. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first another occurrence of this happening is in 1 Corinthians 51 verses 50 or 15 verses 51 and 52 the Bible says behold I shew you a mystery this is all times sometimes read at grave sides we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed all right so this is john's experience john's experience though here even going on in verse number two is after the trumpet the bible says and immediately john says everybody say immediately and immediately i was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven one sat on the throne so right after the trumpet boom immediately John was in the spirit and he was as it were in heaven where the throne was where heaven was remember 1 Corinthians 15 there verse number 52 it indicated the quickness of the change that's to happen for the church in a moment in a twinkling of an eye this change is going to happen so you can see how people may all right 
uh, interpret John's experience in this vision as being a type, if you will, of the rapture. But, and I emphasize that, let's consider some of the pitfalls in all of this. Because in reality, folks, we're, we're, we're interpreting Scripture as literal as possible. John has just had a vision of what he should write to the churches. He's having a vision of, of, of heaven and the things that are going to take place thereafter. Uh, he's just caught away in a vision right now if we look at this in a literal sense. John, amen, the Bible says, in again, if we can go again to verse number one, the Bible says a door, and I think it's important to note this, a door was opened, everybody say, in, in heaven. It didn't say that a door was opened to heaven. Now, you must agree that there's two different things for a door to be opened in heaven, a door to be opened to heaven. If I was to say, you left a door open in your house, that'd be quite different than me saying you left a door open to your house. All right? So this, this John said there was a door open in heaven. Amen. And the Bible says that John heard a voice as it were a trumpet and this beckoned him but however, if we go back to the first chapter of Revelation, John has already heard something similar before in the first chapter that had a trumpet-like voice. The Bible says in Revelation 1 and verse 10, I, this is John speaking, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, I believe this voice that John heard that was as a trumpet. You know, we talk some, you've heard people say, give me the voice of a trumpet. Uh, loud, boisterous, grabbing your attention. Well, I believe in John's vision, a voice that sounded like a trumpet would absolutely have his attention. Would absolutely grab his attention for the vision that he received at him. But I'm not certain, folks, whether or not it's anything more than just that. I'm not saying that it is necessarily a type of the rapture of the church, all right? Uh, if, if we consider the, now the idea of trumpets, if you want to talk about in, in Thessalonians, in Corinthians, about the last trump or the trump of God, I believe in general we learn some of the, uh, the purpose of trumpets even from the Old Testament of Numbers chapter number 10. The Bible speaks of a time that Moses was commanded to make two trumpets of silver scripture says and in numbers 10 and verse number 2 and this is kind of a commercial within my teaching right now that the bible says in verse 2 make thee two trumpets of silver this is god speaking to moses of a whole piece shalt thou make them that thou mayest use them for this is the purpose for the calling of the assembly and for the journey the journeying of the camps and so at times, this is if you read the rest of Numbers 10, at times there was one trumpet used, at times both trumpets were used. Sometimes they gave just a little distinction to the sound of the trumpet if it was to call them for alarm. So there's various different combinations, one or both of them, what type of sound that the trumpet gave. But all in all, the purpose of the sounding of the trumpets was to assemble sometimes all of the congregation 
sometimes just the leaders, but in either case, the trumpet was, was made for the purpose of calling a gathering together of the people for some purpose. All right? So when we talk about Thessalonians and Corinthians, the trump of God, the last trump, yes, I absolutely believe when the trump of God sounds, its purpose is no different from the Old Testament. It's calling His people together for some distinct and, uh, and precise purpose, the catching away, if you will, of the church. But getting back to this typology of John in verses 1 and 2, some of the pitfalls, if you're going to go that route, the Bible says that John was summoned basically, because the voice said, come up hither. And immediately, he was in the spirit before the throne, according to scripture, which is in heaven. Yet when we look at the passages of the catching away, as Thessalonians and Corinthians, and that describes the catching away of the people, it describes the people meeting the Lord in the air among the clouds. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, if you allow me to read again, verses 16 and 17 of chapter 4, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. There's going to be a dissension of the Lord from heaven and an ascension of us from the earth and a meeting in the air. To John, it was though he remained in heaven and was summoned up hither. And so there's a breakdown then. And the typology, if you're going to look at that, as being the rapture of the church. With the shout, the Bible says, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so using John as a type of the rapture of the church in these two verses, I'm just saying you got to be careful because there are some pitfalls. He was immediately taken in the spirit into heaven. They say, that's the rapture of the church. Okay, but if John's going to be this and you're going to carry him all the way through different places in the book of Revelation, the spirit took him into a wilderness in chapter number 17. Later, the same spirit took him upon a great and high mountain in verse 21. So where's the rapture of the church going in all these things? You understand what I'm saying? If the church was taken to heaven, he's a symbol of them. Well, well, did they go to the wilderness and then go to the great? So you got to be careful. That is my admonition. You got to be careful because there, there can be a breakdown with some of these things. And so when we look, though, then at the first two verses of chapter number four, amen, uh, it may not present a flawless type of the rapture as we've seen, but I am a supporter and I'm just sharing this tonight because it just kind of fell on tongue and grew with this. I'm a supporter as my father before me, okay? Amen, of a pre-tribulation rapture. Amen, what does that mean? Meaning that the rapture of the church is going to take place before all of the woe comes upon the world that they have never seen of, nor has there been since, or will there ever be that time. Whenever, and, and, and this, and whenever I, when I'm talking about this, you, you'll hear varying opinions. There's people that believe that the rapture will happen in the beginning. There's people that believe the rapture will happen in the middle. There's people that believe the rapture will happen after it's all said and done. And so whenever I'm up here talking to you right now tonight, it's like whenever the apostle Paul was talking to the church at Corinth and he was talking to them about marriage, he said this. He said, to the rest speak I, not the Lord. 
And so that's where I'm at tonight. I'm telling you, this is what I'm saying. My opinion, this is not the Lord, okay? I'm just, this is my opinion. Amen, it's purely my opinion, and others have their opinions as well. Again, I think it's important to note we don't see no a mention of the church in an earthly residence in the book of Revelation after chapter number three. The only time we see the mention of the church is she is the bride in Revelation chapter 19 of the Lord in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. And later we see her going back down for the battle of Armageddon. Well, he doesn't meet up with her on earth. She goes with him from heaven down to the battle of Armageddon. Well, if she does that, she's got to already be in heaven in order for that to take place. And so that's just my opinion. Amen. Again, and this, is, this might be very elementary, but consider if you will, there is no scripture in the word of God that teaches us how to live the church, how to live through the tribulation. It doesn't tell me to dig an underground shelter. It doesn't tell me to hoard up food and become heavy in artillery. <laughs> there is nothing of that that is spoken. And again, if you remember in our days back in Daniel... If, if, the, if it takes place mid-tribulation or post-tribulation, then if you'll remember, I know this will be hard for you, but in Daniel 9, 27, remember our host 70 weeks thing, the last week, remember that last week is to start with the confirmation of a covenant. You know what begins when that happens? And then that midway between, that's going to be broken. And remember me stating, if the rapture is to take place at the middle or at the end, since the confirmation starts the beginning of all that, it gives you a real close timetable of day and hour of when the mid and the end comes. But we're not supposed to know the day or the hour. All right? Amen. And so furthermore, if you would consider this scripture, and I think we've considered it before, but I'm just talking my opinion of it being pre-tribulation, the rapture taking place, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 through 8. The Bible says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the, that wicked, capitalized wicked, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The word letteth there in the scripture is an old English word that means obstruct, hold back, or restrain. So he who now restrains or holds back or obstructs will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, then he who letteth, who is he who letteth? Well that he may very well refer to the Spirit of God that is resident in his church. Amen. The Antichrist, it's telling us, the wicked one cannot come in full force. Now, his spirit is already among us, but he cannot come in full force until he that is restraining, amen, is taken out of the way. The Spirit of Christ that's resident in his church is taken out of the way, then the wicked one, the scripture says, will be revealed. And thus and so, here's the scripture, we oftentimes quote, but we need to consider it concerning end times, of Matthew 16, 8, whenever uh, Peter gave the exclamation, uh, you're Christ, the son of the living God, and he turned back to him, well, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the revelation of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? The church. The gates of hell shall not 
prevail against the church. So hell's not going to prevail against the church. The devil's not going to prevail against the church. The Antichrist is not going to prevail against the church. If that's the case, I don't plan on going through tribulation. Amen. And for that matter, we had a few clues last week, and I know that was an hour and 10 minutes and so many seconds. Long. What we, in case you missed them, we had a couple clues last week whenever John's writing to the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, whom had no rebuke. They were faithful, the scripture says, Revelation 3.10, because they had kept the word. They were faithful to the word, faithful to the precepts of the word. He says, because thou hast kept the word, this brotherly love, faithful people that I have no rebuke for of my patience in verse number 10 of Revelation 3, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, this hour of temptation is not a 60-minute time period. <laughs> this hour of temptation is a definitive time of trouble that not just a group of people, a segment of people, the unchurched, it says all of the world, or might I say all that are left in the world, that will experience. What is that? I believe that is another notch in the belt for a pre-tribulation rapture. Furthermore, to the church at Thyatira in Revelations 2.22, if you remember, this church or this group had suffered the spirit of Jezebel to prevail among them, to influence some of them. And he says, behold, I will cast her, that is this Jezebel or those that, into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So he says, you suffered the spirit of Jezebel to ran, run rampant among the church. She has influenced some. And so those that she has influenced and she, the influencer, he says, I'm going to cast into great tribulation. And this is absolutely going to happen except or unless they repent. Meaning, if those of this church corrected their ways, it indicated they would not experience the great tribulation. Amen? Is everybody on the same page? It's uh, 1,005 in my Bible. Amen. Does that make sense? You said we're going to cast you into bed and you're going to cast you into great tribulation, except you repent. So if you repent, you're not being cast in there. Why? Because you're going to make yourself the pure, glorified, sanctified church that you should be. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 3. Again, the context in which Paul wrote this. There's thinking, man, that the resurrection from the dead is not going to happen. The, the Christ has already come back, and so Paul's kind of getting all this stuff straightened out for them. And he speaks to them. He says, for when they say, notice, he's speaking to the church and then he's referencing another group. Speaking to the church, he's like they, you know. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them. The them was the they, okay? As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Verse 4, talking to the church, but ye, the Thessalonica church, Brethren, are not in darkness. You're different than they. 
you're different than them. That that day should overtake you, overtake you as a thief. So the they and the them, they don't escape. <laughs> you all right? I hope we have this up here. Uh, maybe I should have got out the board so we could circle words and make them green and yellow and blue and red and all that other good rainbow stuff. Amen. But he says, you, you're not like they. You're not like them. Yeah, destruction's not going to come. It's going to come upon them, but you're not like them. It's not going to come upon you. Now note verse number nine, if you will, of that same chapter. For God hath not appointed us. He's talking about me and the Thessalonican church. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're dead, whether we're dead or alive, we should live together with him. Now, he says, God hath not appointed to us, me and this church or church in general, to wrath. Consider it, we're going fast forward in the book of Revelation to chapter number six because Revelation four and five is really kind of an introduction to all the mayhem that starts to bust loose in Revelation chapter number six where the seals start to be broken. That's off the book. The seven sealed books, seals, six of them. Boom, boom in the book. And Revelation chapter number six start to be opened just like this in consecutive order, one just right after the other. And the Bible says this in Revelation six where six of these seals are open, verse number 15. And this is, I just want to point this out because my opinion is the church is already gone. And, and so here we are. These things are happening. And the Bible says in verse 15 of Revelation 6, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men, we're getting all categories here, and every bondman, or by safe slave, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Now, Listen, you've co- I know he talked about uh, kings, great men, rich men, captains, mighty men. I don't know what happened in, in the pen of John or the inspiration of the Lord, but I think that God, you know, we're kind of really getting everybody included here because he says you're either a slave or you're free, right? There's really no other area in life. You're either bond or you're free. So those last two phrases, every bondman and every free man kind of makes all-inclusive that's everyone. That's a good old-fashioned way of saying today, that's everyone. Hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Look at verse number 16 now. And said, all of these people, bonded free, said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sat upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now somebody's either telling the truth or somebody's lying. For him to say over in Thessalonians, God's not appointed us to wrath. And then evidently everybody that's existent still on the earth to be saying, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, how can that be? Because Paul in Thessalonians was talking to the church and not just everybody. And in Revelation chapter number six, the church is no longer on the earth the church has already been raptured. All right? Amen. And so, I just from the wrath of the Lamb. We're, we're not appointed to the wrath, amen, of God, or the wrath of the Lamb. Amen. We're not been appointed to that. We're absent, amen, during this time frame. Everybody's seeking relief. Everybody's seeking relief from the wrath. 
except for the church because the church is non-existent at that time, in my opinion, upon the earth. You're saying we don't experience troubles? You and I both know better than that. We experience trouble, we experience suffering, we experience testing, we experience uh, afflictions, but not the wrath. Again, the wrath that's going to surpass anything that the world has ever known in all of its existence. That's the great tribulation, amen, particularly of that three and a half years. And notice what Scripture says. When we look at Thessalonians and Paul speaks to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, whenever he talks about that last trump of God and being caught away, all this, he tells them to sum it all up in verse number 8, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He says in Thessalonians 5, 11, after these things. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, let me tell you something. If I'm going to be comforting you with the idea that you're going to be here and you're going to see the rampage of the Antichrist, you're going to have to deny the mark of the beast, you're going to have to deny buying and selling without the mark, if I've now, is, don't you feel comforted by what I'm telling you right now? You're going to go through that if you don't do that, you're going to be beheaded? You're... Don't you feel encouraged? No. What's Paul saying? He's confident because the rapture, the catching away, is going to take place before all of this mayhem of severity is going to happen. Comfort your brothers and your sisters. They have troubles in the world, but they're going to be caught up before the trouble comes that no man has ever experienced or known. Amen. Whenever the Scripture... And I just, I know, I'm slow leading in. It's all right. I'm going to let you all go, go at a good time tonight. No, sincerely, I ain't. I could have held you just as long as last night and perhaps a little bit more, but I, I, I seen down the road. Whenever the Scripture, we, we see Scripture talks about the trump of God in First Thessalonians 4. In 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the last trump. Now, whenever we think about last, when we think about the term last, we think about, you know, we're talking about consecutive order. That's the last one. We, 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 we're thinking about order. Uh, we're, we're, and as a result of that uh, misconception of some, where you talk about last trump, talking about order, consecutive order, there are some that say, well, the church is still going to be around because the last trumpet in the book of Revelation does not take place until later in the book. I'm trying to find it right now. It takes place later in the book around chapter 11. And so if it's going to be the last trump, then the church is still going to be around because the last trump doesn't happen until Revelation chapter number 11. There's seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. But there is a point of distinction we got to keep in the forefront, everybody needs to keep in the forefront of their minds that the seven trumpets that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, those particular seven trumpets that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, they were blown by angels. Each one of those trumpets were blown by angels. The last trump in Corinthians that corresponds with Thessalonians is the trump of God. All right? So although Revelation 11 comes and the last trump is sounded by an angel, that's great. It may be last, but it's a trumpet that's sounded by an angel. We're talking about the last trump of God that is going to be sounding. For that, for that notion, the word last in the Greek comes from a Greek word that 
the same word eschatology, if you'll remember that word back when, the study of last things and the study of end times comes from. So we're talking about last, we're talking about the trump of the end of time. Amen, trumpet, the trump of God. Now, let's go on just a little further. Amen, here this evening. Let's go back and, and we'll get a little bit more in this activity around about the throne, all right? I know that was kind of a large precursor, but that's all right. I'm teaching, so that's the way I did it. Amen. Uh, it talked about uh, that parallel and then also the pre-tribulation <clears throat> opinion. It's I that speak, not the Lord, okay? Amen. If you want to think otherwise, that's fine. You can be wrong. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Amen. We'll, we'll know better by and by. Amen. Nevertheless, if we go back to Revelation chapter number four and verse number one, amen. John is not the only one in Scripture that's ever witnessed heaven, all right? John is not the only one in Scripture that's ever witnessed heaven or ever seen the throne. Again, Paul was taken up into the third heaven, amen, and evidently that's where the throne belongs. He was caught to the third heaven. He's he seen things just too wonderful for him to even speak of. Uh, not lawful for him to permit a man to speak about. And whenever we, and we will look at these two other uh, places uh, in Ezekiel and Isaiah, where Ezekiel also seen a throne room setting in a vision, and Isaiah also seen a throne room setting as well. Because Ezekiel, Isaiah, and what John sees here in Revelation chapter number four, there is a lot of harmony and continuity among them. And so each one kind of sheds light on one another and may help broaden our understanding. And so Ezekiel and Isaiah, they have, they have visions of the throne. Amen. But that throne must be in heaven. Scripture tells us that. In Isaiah 66 and 1, the Bible says, the Lord said, heaven is my throne. David even attested to the fact in Psalms 11 and verse number 4. He said, the Lord's throne is in heaven. He said it very plainly like that. So make no doubt about it that if Ezekiel and Isaiah seen a vision of the throne, they seen heaven because that's where his throne is. It is in heaven. And so after John saw, amen, Christ in the midst of the candlesticks and received the letters to the seven churches, he's no longer again in an earthly scene. He's been translated in his vision to a heavenly scene and he's starting to see what heaven would, would be like or what would take place in heaven. And the Bible says that the voice particularly came to him in verse number one, that voice that was like a trumpet, and spoke to him and said that what he was going to see was the things which must be, everybody say, hereafter. The things that must be hereafter. I like that word must. I'm glad the writer did not uh, leave that out. It's not added by the translators. It's supposed to be there. Because in the word must, there is given a certainty that these things must for sure, without doubt, happen hereafter. And again, whenever we see that, that falls right in line with how Christ gave to John the divisions of the book of Revelation back in chapter number 1. Revelation 1 verse 19, just to stir up our memory one more time, Christ said to John, write the things which thou hast seen, that's the past, Write the things which are, that's the present, probably more than likely what he told to the churches, but nevertheless, the things which are and the things, the things which thou hast seen have to do with chapters one through three. But then he said, and the wording is very important, the things which shall be hereafter. And so here's the voice like a trumpet then telling John in, in Revelation 4.1, he says, now I'm going to show you the things that must happen 
the same word here after amen you've already dealt with these other things but now i'm going to show you what's going to happen hereafter now revelation chapter number four the center of revelation chapter four the focus of revelation chapter four is the throne oh my 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 it is the throne in revelations four the word throne is used about 13 times in 11 verses 11 times it speaks of the throne of God. Twice, though, it speaks of thrones, seats as it's interpreted in our King James Bibles, amen, occupied by the 24 elders that are round about the throne. But in every instance, mark it down in your Bible, every instance in Revelation where we have a reference to the throne in heaven, it is always in the singular throne. Even in the Old Testament passage of Isaiah and Ezekiel, it is spoken of in the singularity, not a plurality. Isaiah 6 and 1, the throne that Isaiah saw that was undoubtedly the throne of the Lord spoken of. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up in his train filled the temple. Ezekiel in the vision that he was caught away in Ezekiel 1 verse 26 states these words and he's seen a lot of things he's seen these beasts that we're going to talk about amen but he says above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon in the book of revelation if you see it's talking about the throne that is in heaven and it's not the thrones that are occupied by the 24 elders there is only one throne and one that sits upon that throne now as some would poke fun at is the word one in verse number two I don't know how it is in your Bibles. Not all Bibles do this. In my Bible, it's italicized. And in the forefront of my Bible, that tells me any word that's italicized uh, throughout my Bible tells me that word was added by the translators. So I know that this word one here in verse number two was added by the translators was not in the original manuscript. And so some people will point says, well, you're saying that there was a throne, but it doesn't say really that one sat up on the throne. It just says that, that, it, that where there was a throne a throne was set in heaven and sat on the throne in so many words, all right? But you know what? Let's say the translators add that because that's what my Bible says that it happened. But that's all right because the context of everything sets very well with me then with verse number three because it describes who's on the throne. And it uses a pronoun that does not illustrate a plurality. It doesn't say them. It says he. It says he that sat, denoting again singularity here upon the throne. Again, all I said we got to do is just declare truth, right? And so, I, folks, there have been a lot of books written, a lot of stories given. People's had death experiences, near-death experiences. They've had visions of heaven. 
There's books out there you can read them. I'm always very skeptical about picking any of those books up and reading them because I think I'm going to have to go through chapters and chapters of hodgepodge of their view of heaven that doesn't even correspond with the book of Revelation. And so it just makes me want to puke. Okay? And and, and so they have near-death experiences and they attest to the facts that they've seen three thrones or four thrones or seven thrones. And I'm like, John says he's seen a throne and he, the singularity, sat upon the throne. So somebody's lying. Either all these people have these near-death experiences or John, who was inspired of God to write this scripture. Somebody's not telling the truth. And I don't think we're going to get to a certain spot that it's like, if you want a heaven with one throne, go here. If you want a heaven with four thrones, you can take this hallway. If you want one with seven thrones, you can. I don't think that's the case. Amen. And so let me caution everybody this. Be careful about just picking up those books, talk about everybody's near-death experience and what they've seen in heaven. For that matter, we could probably spend some time here in Revelation as we go along talk about the Left Behind series and the faux pauls that are in that too. But they made millions off it, bless their hearts. Amen. Oh, man, I'm starting to meddle now. We got to go on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John was in a vision taken by the Spirit through a door in heaven and seen a throne. One person sat on the throne just as Isaiah did and just as Ezekiel did. Now, I would be worried if Ezekiel seen something that didn't correspond with John. I'd have been worried if Isaiah said something different. He said, you know what, I seen, I seen A, but you know, I seen, I seen about four others over there too, you know, I'm just not quite, you know, I, I, yeah, I would be a little perplexed and we'd be up here talking, you know what, we won't know till we get there. But that's not what happened in Scripture. Isaiah said he's seen one. Ezekiel said he's seen one. John said he's seen one. How can that happen? Because they all seen the same thing and evidently was taken in the Spirit, in the vision by the only one Spirit, same Spirit of Christ, amen, and they all seen the same stuff. Amen. Amen. All right, I'll close because I said I was going to be a good boy. Stand up with me, please. 45 minutes have passed. And so again, and you might just want to look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter number one. Uh, you might want to look at Isaiah chapter number six because here in chapter number four, there are, you'll, you'll see if you read those other two chapters along with chapter number four, you will see, start to see some similarities and some things that are being spoken about. You're going to see these things that have the, the face of a man and the face of an ox and, and the face of an of a eagle. And, and these things that John sees, Ezekiel also see now Isaiah didn't see that portion of it but Ezekiel did and so there did there's correlations in all these and so next week we'll continue starting with verse number three of Revelation chapter number four and we'll go forward and we'll complete that chapter I'm confident that we can do that but we'll complete that but what we're doing here this is just kind of an introductory thing because they're going to talk about this they're going to talk about there's a book later in chapter five that has seven seals nobody's worthy to open then someone's worthy and they start to open it and here comes the seals here comes trumpets here comes vials and then the Bible says there were seven thunderings too, but he wasn't allowed to write about those. He had to seal them up. You remember? There were those as well. Amen. We'll start talking about all these things and we'll have a good time doing it, I hope. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you. 
and have a blessed day.